0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes, where we discuss the history of the New York Yankees. Again, my name is Brian, and I have been a die-hard Yankees fan for my entire life. So, the goal of the Historic Pinstripes show is, as always, to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. So, this week here on the Historic Pinstripes show, we are going to discuss. Um, Roy White, who is one of the most underrated Yankees players in my opinion um, in Yankee history, um, and the reason why I wanted to discuss Roy White was because February is Black History Month, and so I figured I would at least start off the month by talking about one of uh, the best players in Yankee history, um, who was African American. Roy White came up in the early 1960s, and um, I mean, obviously Elston Howard, he was already up by then; he was on the team already at that time. But Roy White was coming up through the minor leagues in some of the southern states, and obviously Roy White did unfortunately have to go through a lot of racism, but he eventually made it through and he had a very, very good career. He'd played 15 seasons for the New York Yankees. His full name was actually Roy Hilton White. Um, he was five foot 10, 160 pounds, so not a big guy. He was not really a power guy. He was more of just a guy that could just do a lot of different things. He could he could run he could uh, he could hit for power, but he wasn't that wasn't something that that wasn't his forte. Um, but he he just was a very aggressive hitter and he like he was one of those guys who was like kind of a perfect fit for a manager such as Billy Martin Um, anyways getting into a little bit more about Roy White he was born December 27th 1943 he was 77 years old actually he is 77 years old because he's still alive and also he was born in Los Angeles California and I guess he ended up going to a high school in Compton California called Centennial High School his parents were actually separated when he was just five years old so it was just him and his mom when he was growing up as well as his little brother Um, and I guess as a kid uh, I guess they would play uh, sockball which was a variation of baseball which is a game that was created with him and his friends and I would imagine maybe his little brother as well Um, but anyways they played a version of baseball called sockball and that was basically they took an ankle sock and stuffed it with a bunch of rags and stuff and then they would wrap the ankle sock with the uh, stuffings in it um, with some tape. And uh, I guess sometimes they would even sew it as well. So since the ball was a lot lighter, they would have the pitcher stand 25 feet away from the batter. Um, and I guess also part of the reason uh, with the uh, ankle sock being so light, um, the ball would uh, would kind of curve a lot more. It would kind of give them kind of a, a, a slurve pitch or even a curve ball. So it was a lot easier to, to break the ball. Um, at least easier than it would be for a real baseball. Um, But anyways, that's what they had, and that's what they used. Anyways, this is how Roy White started his um, pretty pretty much his baseball career, getting into the game of baseball. And, um, you know, they might not have had a lot of money, but he was able to, To make it work and he ended up becoming a standout baseball player and a standout football player which I didn't realize in high school in Compton, California. He played second base actually too so he was not an outfielder right away and actually his double play partner was another former outfielder um, who obviously at this time was a shortstop Reggie Smith who actually played for the Boston Red Sox and I think a few other teams. He played around the same time of course as Roy White as well but there ended up being two major leaguers Um, so that's they must have had a pretty, pretty good team um, just to have two, a double play combination like that. Anyways, um, so Roy White, uh, he ended up getting a lot of full scholarships to play baseball, and he even got one full scholarship to play football. One of the schools he um, had a full scholarship to was UCLA for baseball, as well as some others. Um, he only had one full scholarship for football, and that was for Long Beach State University. Um, So, I mean, he was obviously a very talented player and a very good athlete. Um, July 1st, uh, I think it was around 1962 or so, there was a scout, the Yankee scout, Tuffy Hansham, who persuaded Roy White to sign a minor league deal, and it was for a guaranteed $6,000, which I'm sure was a whole lot more than it is now, obviously. Um, This was, again, back in like 1962 or so. Um, And he also, they uh, would have given him a bonus if he had made the team um, right away uh, that year, I believe, which would have been $4,000. But he, anyways, he ended up going to the miners in the early 1960s. Like I said, this was um, in the early 1960s. He's African-American, so obviously he did have to, uh, there was a lot of, uh, unfortunately, a lot of racism back in those days, especially in the southern states where some of the minor league teams were. Um, so he struggled his first year, which really is, wasn't all uncommon for a lot of rookies, especially in baseball. Your first year, as, even in the minor leagues, you're going to struggle. Um, but uh, his first year was at Class B, which obviously the minor league system was a whole lot different back then. Um, obviously now that's just single A, double A, triple A, but back then they called it Class A, Class B, so it it was totally different. Um, This was back in 1962. He played for Greensboro. He only hit 204 that year, but then he ended up moving down to, I guess, another level of the minor leagues, which was actually a little bit uh, easier for him. It was called the Class D League, I guess. So then after that year in 1962, he actually considered giving up, but he ended up, deciding for whatever reason that he, he wanted to keep on going at it and going after his dream of playing in the major leagues and eventually making it to play for the Yankees. Um, so he ends up going back the next year, 1963. He played for a the Class D team for the Yankees, which um, I'm not sure what team that was, but that's, that's the team he played for. He played 98 games, three home runs, 41 RBIs. He had 15 stolen bases and had a .286 batting average for for the class d um team that year the very next year he was promoted to double a played for the columbus confederate yankees and obviously by the name you could tell there was a lot of racism there in columbus um this was 1964 so um this this year was another year that he kind of struggled a little bit he only hit 257 that year um so i mean obviously just dealing with the racism and and I'm, i'm sure that had to be extremely difficult for him but the very next year, 1965, I believe he was in the same uh, league this year. But he hit 300, had uh, 19 home runs, 14 triples, um, played on 139 games, 56 RBIs, 22 triples. Um, and he also had a 391 on base percentage, and he was the MVP of the league. So he got caught up in September of 1965. He was 21 years old, and he made his Major League debut on September seventh, 1965. He was a pitch hitter for the pitcher Al Downing um, versus the Baltimore Orioles. He came in in the seventh inning to pitch hit for Downing. Um, there were two outs. He had a single to center field off of Dave McNally, who was a very, very good right-handed uh, starting pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, especially um, back then. Um, uh, but anyways, the, when he hit the single, Bobby Richardson ended up advancing to third base as well. So they had runners up first and third, and he would eventually score on Tom Tresch's singles single to center field. Um, so that was his very first game. That was the, the, his debut in 1965. In the second game, he ended up, because uh, that game was a doubleheader, he ended up playing that game. He started, he was the second baseman. Um, he led off the game. Um, he also scored two runs that game, and he hit a double off of uh, another right-handed pitcher for the Orioles, Wally Bunker, who actually, I looked up his numbers, and he also was had a pretty darn good year that year as well for the Orioles, um, and of course, back in around the 1965 to 68, um, the the Orioles had some very good teams those years, uh, but the Yankees during this time, around 65 to 69, even 1970, of course, um, the the Yankees really weren't the same team. They had a lot of aging players like Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris. Um, well, Maris was still not quite as old as Mantle, but he did have a lot of injuries, and um, they just had a lot of a lot that the, um, they, they the time was not on their side, um, and they were not the same team that they were the year 1965 uh, when he got called up. He played in 14 games that year uh, for the New York Yankees had 42 at bats, three RBIs, two doubles. Two stolen bases, and he had a four oh four on on-base percentage. Um, so he, he played in a small sample size. He he played very well for them, and obviously he was not. You could tell by just seeing those um, numbers, and even in a small sample size, that he definitely was not a um, a power hitter or anything. He he was a guy that was just you know he was a table setter. Um, he actually played most of his games in in the outfield. He played most of his games in right field. He played only one game at second base and one in center and that was pretty much the way that the Yankees used him a lot. Um, They used him a lot more in the outfield than they used him at second base. So then in 1966, the very next year, this would be um, Roy White's rookie year, he ended up winning the best rookie award, the James P. Dawson Award out of spring training. Um, I guess he hit well for the first six weeks and then after that is when it kind of kind of fell apart for him but anyways the reason why he struggled so much was because of the right field short porch um, which of course a lot of people a lot of players that first start in the big leagues and uh, play at Yankee Stadium a lot of times it's like seeing that wall so close to you I mean you feel like you can just just hit it out and for Roy White he was not a power hitter and this was something that he really struggled with because it wasn't now, he was going away from himself. He was going away from his game. Um, so, anyways, um, that, that's, I that's something that he really struggled with. And his batting average even went from bat- batting two ninety from the first six weeks of the year in 1966 to batting two forty eventually. He ended up finishing at two twenty-five for the season that year in 115 games. Um, he had seven homers, 14 stolen bases, I mean, again, he was not a power hitter as, as, at all, you know. So the very next year, he ended up going back down to the minor leagues. Went to AAA, played 84 games there, um, played over 300 at bats, six home runs, 48 RBIs. Um, he also had a .343 batting average, so a .420 on base percentage. Uh, so immediately, they pretty much caught him right up after that. I think I guess it was around mid-season. So after that, he never went back down to the minor leagues. And he would, he would just come right up. And I, I guess at that point, he was mostly a role player, pitch hitter, defensive replacement. 1968, by the end of May, uh, Ralph Hook decided that he was going to become the starting left fielder. And he ended up batting him third until July. And then the, the uh, Mickey Mano was batting fourth at that time. But because Mickey Mano was getting older at this time, and he was not the same player that he was before, so they decided... To get Mickey some better pitches to hit, and the Yankees, like I said, in the late late 60s, they were not the same team. The Yankees were an older team. They weren't they weren't quite as good. There, um, there was a they they had to kind of rebuild, and Mickey Mantle was not the same player. So they ended up putting um, uh, Mickey Mantle in the third spot in the order, and the cleanup hitter was Roy White. In 1968, he ended up uh, playing 159 games as the starting left fielder. He had 577 at-bats, 20 doubles. He had 17 home runs, 62 RBIs, 20 stolen bases, 267 batting average, and a 350 on-base percentage. And about another thing about the batting average, too, in the 1960s, um, the pitching was a lot better. And, like, even by the end of the 1960s, I think it was 1968, Bob Gibson had a one ERA. And after that uh, season, there was a lot of other pitchers who did very, very well, in the late 1960s and even pretty much the entire decade. Um, it's probably the most pitching dominant um, of any decade in baseball history, maybe besides the dead ball ever. Um, but anyways, because of that, a lot of the batting averages were not that great. So a 267 batting average in 1968 was probably not as bad. Like And even I guess he, even had, he was 12th that year in MVP dis- despite batting 267 um but anyways if you look at his other numbers I mean they're also very good as well he had 20 stolen bases 17 home runs he was a very balanced baseball player but anyways the very next year Mickey Mantle ends up retiring 1969 so he made his first all-star game he had hit 320 by the all-star break he played 130 games that year 448 at bats, seven home runs 74 RBIs 18 stolen bases he never really struck out all that much throughout his career um, I think the most he struck out was like 60 something times or something like that. Um, 66. Um, he hit 290 um, in 1969. He had a 392 on-base percentage and an on-base plus slugging adjusted, which is basically just shows you how good he was at getting on base and slugging, and uh, compared to the rest of the league, 100 is average. So he was well above average that year. At this point, he was still the three or four hitter in the Yankee lineup. Um, a lot of the other guys that the Yankees had were guys like Bobby Mercer, Horace Clark, who was a shortstop, um, and Mel Stodemeyer, starting pitcher. Thurman Munson uh, was just about coming along at this time. Um, I think it was 1970 was his rookie year, I believe. Um, but I believe he might have come up a, a little bit in 1969. Um, but anyways... So that was like his first really big year. Then 1970, uh, he plays 162 games, a full season, 609 at-bats, 30 doubles. He had 22 home runs, which I believe was a uh, a career high for him. 94 RBIs as well, uh, 24 stolen bases, 66 strikeouts that year, hit 296, had a 387 on-base percentage, made the All-Star team again, had 109 runs scored. Um, And uh, he also had a 142 on-base plus slugging adjusted that year. Again, 13th in in the most valuable player. Another thing about Roy White, too, is he was a a guy that it seemed like the Yankees really didn't know exactly how to use him. And I think around this time, it was 1970-71, when um, fans and media... They they were used to having, like, a center fielder like Mickey Mano or Joe DiMaggio, someone who was going to hit a lot of home runs. And Roy White was not really a guy like that. He he did not hit a lot of home runs. And, um, you know, they knew he was a good player, but they, you know, they uh, someone who's hitting third or third or fourth in the lineup, you know, they're expected to hit a lot more home runs than 17 or 18 or 20. Um, so um, that was kind of disappointing to fans. And I guess rightfully so, but I guess also as we move on, we find find that I guess it's uh, that the Yankees really didn't know how to use Roy White in the lineup as much, and uh, the managers and their strategies were not. They they weren't. Um, it wasn't. They they didn't use him quite the way the, um, Roy White to be used at least not early on in his career. Anyways another thing about that Mickey Mano actually wrote an article in um, a magazine called Sport Magazine. In the article he said that Roy White was one of the most underrated players in baseball which I think um, speaks for itself right there and it just says says a lot um, and how good Roy White was and you know the fact that he really wasn't he wasn't mickey mantle he wasn't joe d and roy white even said it himself he said he wasn't uh he was not ruth mantle or joe d um but anyways he played 147 games in 1971 played 524 at bats 86 runs 19 home runs 84 runs batted in 14 stolen bases he had a 292 batting average a 388 on base percentage um and also he set a major league record with 17 sacrifice flies in 1970, which kind of says a lot, like I said, about, you know, he was a guy that just kind of did the little, the little things um, for, for um, a lineup, and he just moved runners, and he was really good at sacrifice flies and, and just getting on base and finding a way to, to help the Yankees win any way he could. But for hitting home runs and all that stuff, he really, that was not his, that's not, that was not something he was going to seek out and try to do. Um, but anyway, so the very next year, he had um, 1972 – played 155 games, 556 at-bats, he had 76 runs scored, 10 home runs. He also had 54 RBIs, 23 stolen bases, just struck out 56 times um, in in that season. He had 130 on-base-plus slugging adjusted. Also, he led the American League in walks um, with 99 walks that year. Um, And Also, by this time, too, I guess Yankees' total attendance had been dropping every single year. From 1960s, actually before the 1960s, uh, then when CBS, uh, the the lead owner was Michael Burke. When they bought the team, I think it was around 1960. I think it might have been 1960, um, exactly 1960. But anyways, when Michael Burke and CBS bought it, um, the the, the total attendance for the Yankees was dropping and dropping and dropping every single year. And at this time, the total attendance for the year was 966,328, which was the lowest it had ever been at least in a long long time um but so i guess at the time too the stadium yankee stadium was 50 years old by 1973 of course because 19 1923 was when yankee stadium of course opened up um but there was so there was a lot of uh a lot of things that the stadium, the stadium needed a lot of fixing and, and it needed to be renovated so then uh the very next off season january 3rd exactly 1973 George Steinbrenner and a group of investors ended up buying the New York Yankees for $10 million. Um, so uh, right away, pretty much 1973 to 75, the Yankees um, renovated the Yankee Stadium. They ended up going and playing in the uh, Shea Stadium for a while as well um, throughout those years. Regardless though, the Yankees were in a rebuilding uh, situation. Uh, so I got a lot of guys like Roy White, Thurman Munson, who were already there, but they, they were really the, the centerpieces of the, what the team was going to be built around. So it was Roy White, Thurman Munson, Bobby Mercer, Fritz Peterson, who was a starting pitcher, Ron Bloomberg. And they also had uh, veterans like Mel Stodemeyer, Horace Clark, and um, Matty Alou. They had uh, Felipe Alou, I believe, for a year or two as well. And also, they also made some really good trades in this time between now and like even 1977, I guess, with Reggie. Um, but although Reggie was a, a, a free agent signing, but they ended up getting uh, Sparky Lyle via trade, Greg Nettles from the Indians via trade, um, Catfish Hunter was uh, a signing in 1975. And then they also made a trade for Lupinella, Chris Chambliss as well. And also, of course, they eventually brought along Ron Guidry as well, um, who eventually, well, he probably could have started earlier in his Yankee career. But, you know, at the time in the in the uh, mid-70s, um, you know the Yankees didn't really give a lot of um if if you are a rookie you're going to have to really earn your spot um anyways back to Roy White he eventually earned the nickname Mr. Consistent I believe it was around this time where he had that nickname um because pretty much every year they knew what to expect during this time the Yankees were not that great of a team so I mean Roy White was really like one of the one of the guys that really helped them through but anyways moving on uh mid 1975 the the manager who uh who was the manager from I think it was like 19 he took over for Ralph Hook around like 1972 or 73 Bill Verdon um he ended up uh he ended up getting fired because I guess Bill Verdon um he he uh, Roy White was struggling in 1973 and 74 um and uh, so Bill Verdon wanted to DH Roy White and Roy White hated um Dhing he he just didn't like it at all and he eventually demanded a trade so mid-1975 like I said Bill Vernon got fired and then they hired Billy Martin and the reason why they hired Billy Martin was because he understood how to use Roy White's style and if I mean Billy Martin if you know anything about him with the Yankees you know that he was very strategical in the way he managed and Roy White was a player that you could definitely use like with hit and run stealing bases and a lot of little things like that, sacrifice bunts. Um, so uh, he definitely played into Billy's strength. And right away, Billy Martin um, put him right back in left field, starting every single day. Um, and and uh, so it was a much better fit with Billy Martin, who was a much more aggressive manager than Bill Verdon. Um, and also, he also put uh, Roy White in the two spot in the lineup, which I thought was interesting. He was, uh, Even though Roy White was 32 years old, at this time he was too, a very good player. He just wasn't being used the way that um maybe the way that the yankees didn't use him at the time with bill verdon and maybe even ralph hook they didn't use him quite like quite like they could have with uh uh with billy martin um and i mean granted with ralph hook the yankees didn't have the team probably of course with uh verdon you know they were getting these younger players and some of these other veterans like sparky lyle um that you know they so they had a little they were getting there but uh you know billy martin really um, hiring billy martin really got him in the right direction um and it really especially helped uh, roy white It kind of turned his career of course around because other, otherwise he probably would have ended up being traded because he demanded a trade 1976 um he was in the top of the lineup like i said it was, they had, the yankees had a really good top of the lineup with mickey rivers at the leading off roy white batting second thurman munson was batting third Uh, 1976 Munson won the mvp as well Uh, but roy white he had a good year as well 14 home runs that year played 156 games 104 runs scored led the league um he had 65 rbis 31 stolen bases the most he ever had um had a 286 batting average 365 on base percentage and 128 on-base plus slugging adjusted, which is well above average. No, it just means basically he was a very a well-above-average offensive player. And actually in 1976, he played his first playoff game. And, and it actually was the Yankees' first playoff game since 1964 when they were in the World Series against the Cardinals. Um, uh, it was in the American League Championship Series versus the Kansas City Royals. Game 1, top of the ninth, two outs. Roy White had a double. Um, he had two RBIs, and the Yankees won the game. Game 5, Roy White had a single and two walks, two runs scored, and that was the same game. Um, you know, Chris Chambliss got the game-winning home run, walked it off, and uh, the Yankees went on to, to go to the World Series um, to face the big red machine. Um, but Roy White, that series, he hit 294, five walks, three doubles, and four runs scored. Not bad for your first time ever in the playoffs. Um, and by that time, he was already a, veter- a veteran. He had been around for about 10 years at that time um but anyways after that season the Yankees signed him to a three-year deal his first multi-year deal um that he had ever signed with the Yankees and actually I think before that contract with Boy White I don't think the Yankees signed a whole lot of players to um to extensions like that to, to multi-year contracts um that was the first at that time um but anyways 1977 the very next year on a new contract Roy White he was getting a little bit older now um, but he was still putting up pretty good numbers he had 14 home runs 52 RBIs he also had 18 stolen bases that year had a 268 batting average and a 109 on base plus slugging adjusted he still had a good year I mean it wasn't one of his better years but he was getting older as well Um, and the Yankees again they of course made it to the postseason but he didn't play as much um, in the postseason I believe at this time they already had Lou Piniella and Piniella and him kind of split some time out there in the postseason. Um, So he ended up playing 11 games. Only had seven plate appearances though. He had 294. Um, He also had two doubles and two runs scored and the Yankees ended up winning their first World Series title since um, 1962. And of course it was the first World Series title of the two World Series titles that uh, Roy White would eventually win. And then 1978... Speaking of the second World Series title, uh, Roy White, this is when he became a part-time player again. But this time it was because, you know, they also had Lou and Roy White at this time was like 35, 34 years old or so. So he was getting up there, but he did still play 103 games, had 346 at-batch, 44 runs scored, 8 home runs, 43 RBIs. Again, he was not a power hitter. Um, even even during his best days, he had 10 stolen bases still, 269 average. He had a, a 112 on-base plus lugging adjusted. So, I mean, he still he still could hit um, and it probably helped him being more of a role player and splitting time with Lupinella. But toward the end of the year, in the last 24 games um, in September of 1978... Uh, Roy white hit 337 um and in the one game play-in um at fenway park against the red sox roy white in the top of the seventh inning red sox were winning two to nothing was one out um chris chambliss was on first base and then roy white singles to set up bucky dent and of course that was for bucky dent's three-run home run and to give the yankees the lead and of course they ended up winning and beating the Red Sox and going on to face um, the Kansas City Royals in the American League Championship Series that year and speaking of which um, that that in that series uh, there was a big hit in that series by Roy White I'm not too sure which game it was but it was a go-ahead home run in the bottom of the sixth inning off of uh, Dennis Leonard who was a pitcher for the Kansas City Royals and the Yankees won that game 2-1 to one. Of course, they ended up winning the series as well, as we know now. Um, and in that series, Roy White, had a, he had a very good postseason. Um, he had four games played, 16 at-bats, a double, a home run, an RBI, a walk, two strikeouts only and 16 at-bats, and he had a 313 batting average. In the World Series, he played six games, 24 at-bats, one home run, four RBIs, two stolen bases, four walks. Three thirty-three batting average and a four twenty-four on base percentage. And so of course he ended up helping the Yankees to win another World Series title, as well as, you know, of course, Reggie Jackson and, and Lupinella and Yankees had a the Yankees had an extremely good team winning back-to-back World Series for the first time in since nineteen sixty-one and sixty-two, I believe. Um, but anyways, so the very next year in spring training, nineteen seventy-nine, that was the last year of his three year deal with the Yankees. And I guess he wanted an extension. But the general manager at the time for the Yankees was Al Rosen. And um, I guess he said he, he told uh, Roy White that he was not going to give him an extension until after the season. So, you know, Roy White was frustrated by this. Also, his teammates were as well. Roy White um, was a veteran and he had been around for so many years. So they, they knew, um, you, you know, they they wanted to see him get his due. Um, but anyways, of course, baseball is a, is a definitely a tough uh, it can be it can be tough, especially for aging players. Um, but anyways, uh, Roy White, who was thirty five years old, he played eighty one games um, that year in nineteen seventy nine. Two hundred five at bats, twenty four runs scored, three home runs, twenty seven RBIs. He only hit two fifteen. So then in the off season, Roy White uh, did not get a contract from the Yankees. He did have offers from other teams. So despite Al Rosen, the general manager, saying that. They would um, try to work a deal after the season. They ended up not giving him a contract. Of course, he really didn't play all that well. But but anyways, even though Roy White did get a, a lot of offers from other teams, he actually also got um, an, an opportunity to play in Japan for the Japanese Baseball League. And he actually chose to play in Japan for three years with the Yamayuri Giants. Um, and I guess he just kind of liked that idea of going and trying, uh, trying something new and going out and... Uh, and you know playing in Japan and anyways he ended up going to play with a one of a I guess a Japanese baseball legend Sadaharu Oh or something like that I'm not sure if that's exactly right but he was the Giants uh manager at the time actually he was the Giants player manager I guess he was like a system manager but he was also a legendary uh Japanese baseball player and he he um he actually I think he had like over 800 home runs in the Japanese league or something like that he actually even managed uh, much later on, Hideki Matsui. Um, but he, he actually, it was him and Roy White. Roy White was the uh, the, the cleanup hitter. And uh, Sadu, Sadaharu Oh was the um, third hitter in the lineup. So, and and I guess, you know, obviously protecting a guy like that is kind of a hard thing um, for a new guy to come in and do. But Roy White also was the cleanup hitter for Mickey Mano back when he was just, I think it was a rookie he was kind of used to protecting some of these, some of the players that were, uh, you know, they were getting older, but they were still very good players. Um, and sometimes that can be a little bit intimidating for a player to, um, for a younger player to do, or somebody who's new coming into, uh, coming, in, coming in and playing in a whole different country. Um, but anyway, so the first Japanese game that Roy White played in was April 5th, 1980. Um, he had two home runs and two RBIs in that game was an all-star that year in the Japanese league Um, he had hit 300 had 29 home runs 106 RBIs Um, uh, again the the Japanese league was not quite as good and still isn't quite as good as the major leagues but I mean you know Roy White was a very good player in the major leagues and you know he just transcended even to be even better in, in Japan but uh, anyways, 1981, he had 23 home runs that year, and the Yomiuri Giants even won the championship that year as well. By that time, Sadaharu O oh became just his manager, and he actually was manager right up until Hideki Matsui was there as well. Anyways, uh, 1982, his third year of his Japanese contract, he was a part-time player again um, in the first half, Then in the second half played a lot more. He hit 330, had 12 home runs, and he had at 296 the whole season but anyways that pretty much rounded up his entire career because he would come back after the three-year contract he ended up coming back to the Yankees as a coach um, and uh, he ended up being their hitting coach from 1983 to 1986 so despite um the extension and not getting the extension he eventually realized that I guess he just kind of put it behind him and and I mean I'm sure he obviously he was disappointed about not getting an extension because you know he had been with the Yankees for years and years. He was there for 15 years as a player, so he went back to be a hitting coach. And then after 1986, and then after 1986, he ended up becoming an advisor. And he uh, actually his title was actually being a roving minor league instructor and a scout. And he ends up, ended up scouting Matsu, Hideki Matsui in Japan because part of his job as a scout would he would they would have him go to Japan since he had spent a lot of time there and um, kind of scout guys out there and probably in other places as well of course anyways Roy White was one of the people that was really influential in in getting Matsui to the Yankees and eventually around 2003 or 4 I think it was 2004 he came back to coach the Yankees again many years later and I believe he was the first base coach and the outfield coach as well um so he got to coach Matsui and you know a lot of the other guys I think he I think he was there for like maybe three four years maybe um he might have left when Joe Torre uh, got fired, I believe, but I'm not positive. Also, um, another another thing I wanted to mention was he, I guess he was a hitting coach for the Oakland A's as well in 1999, which I did not realize, uh, so I just thought that was interesting, notable, his career. Going back to 2004, um, when Roy White was the first base coach slash outfield coach, the Yankees started off this year in Japan on opening day, um, and I believe it was against the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, Anyways, um, I, I guess Roy White he ended up signing hundreds of autographs before the game, and um, I, it was, I, I guess this, I guess in Japan I guess there was a bunch of people that just had you know baseball Japanese baseball cards and some of his old baseball cards and they would just they, they just wanted his autograph because he was extremely popular in Japan from his time and obviously by looking at the numbers that he had put up. You can can see why. So anyways, after that, he ended up not coaching anymore. And of course, now he's pretty much retired. I believe he probably still goes down to help out with spring training once in a while. I'm not positive on that, though. But anyways, uh, I guess he also created around that time, around the time when he started coaching more, I guess he created a foundation, the Roy White Foundation, which I guess provided financial assistance to young adults and children that want to further education but can't for financial reasons um so I just figured I'd mention that. Um so Roy White in my opinion he just he was a very underrated player. I mean I didn't I didn't actually get to see him play cuz he played before I was born. Um and uh anyways um you know he was very underrated from what I've seen and you know you don't really hear a whole lot about Roy White but what you do you, you it seems like I guess from what I've read and everything it sounds like he was just a very quiet guy just very class act like if you think about a true yankee somebody that played for the yankees his entire career and he really like he wanted to stay with the yankees like he didn't probably wouldn't have wanted to go to japan if he got the chance if the yankees offered him a contract i'm sure he probably would have stayed with the yankees um but anyways i think that in a sense kind of makes him a true yankee as well and the fact that he was there uh when the yankees weren't very good until and held and stayed there until the yankees you know, won two championships in a row. I mean, and he was a big part of those teams as well. Um, so I mean, he he that uh, that just shows you the kind of player that he was, and just the the, the loyalty that he had for the Yankees. Um, of course, he was a clutch player, and he kind of was. I mean, he wasn't the first African American player to play for the Yankees, but he was still one of the first players. Anyways, in my opinion, Roy White was a very good baseball player. Um, he was definitely underrated. And I, I, in my opinion, he's definitely one of the best left fielders in Yankees history. Actually, if you go back and listen to my top five Yankees left fielders episode, I believe I put him as number three or number two. I believe it was number three. But you can go and check that out. Um, uh, Roy, White is a, uh, Roy White was a very good baseball player. But before I go, I just wanted to mention that the Historic Pinstripes is a proud member of the 4041 Media family with other podcasts such as Movie Theater, Time Machine, Honest Fitness Talk with your trainer, Nick, um, which will eventually, the name of that podcast will be changing to Real Talk with Sensei Nick. And also Psychic Crime, Free Your Geek, other podcasts, some streamers, YouTubers, and you can just go feel free to check out www.4041media.com for more information on that. So one last thing before I go, I just wanted to mention some of the places you can find us on social media. On Facebook, it's just the Historic Pinstripe Show. On Twitter, at Historic NYY. Um, and also on Instagram at Historic Pinstripes as well. Um, you can feel free to comment, uh, comment anything about Roy White or anything about the previous episodes. Um, feel free to share with us any of your uh, favorite moments in Roy White's history with the New York Yankees. Again, thank you all for listening, everybody. And as always, Go Yankees! <laughs>